it's Lisa Cordoff. Welcome to the podcast where you can expect inspiring, raw, energizing, and transformative conversations with people on the path of personal evolution. I'm here to really live my life. And if you are too, these conversations are just for you. I'm really glad you're here. Enjoy. Well, it's been a big day already for me. And with all three of my children heading off to school today for the very first time, and it wasn't super smooth, let me just say, it's probably the perfect day for me to be staring at the face of Amy Taylor Kabaz, who is not only just one of my closest friends, uh, but she, more than many, many others, understands motherhood and uh, the transitions, the growth, the bringing you to your knees, all of it. And uh, throughout her work over the last, God, how many years have you been doing this, Amy? Officially five, but it all started, my eldest is 12, so 12, so 12 years ago. Yeah, um, is now empowering a whole new generation of mothers, not even the new freshies, but all of us who have been seeking to understand just what happens to us when we become mothers, like how we want to feel like ourselves, but we're not ourselves, how we want to tap into that person who we once were, but she seems to be gone, how hard it is to let go and allow our children to do their things and or like everything in between, and um, has released a book and uh, is now changing this conversation by telling us all about matrescence. So, Amy, I love you. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. I'm all the tears today too because my big girl, I put her on the bus for high school (gasps) by herself this morning. So you know what? You and I are both going to be all the mother tears this today. (laughs) I look like, I mean, I look like a different human. My eyes are that puffy. I don't even (laughs) recognize myself right now. Um, That's a big moment though, Amy. Was she cool? She was cool. I did offer to drive behind the bus all the way to high school. (laughs) Which defeats the purpose, but yes. To make sure she was okay. And she just looked at me and said, I think I'll be fine, mum. Which is not like Forrest Gump. You know that scene where she's right at the waiting for Forrest Gump to get on the bus the first time and talks to the bus driver like, this is Forrest, you can look after him. I felt like that, (laughs) mum. Of course you did. And she, but isn't that what you want her to? And because she struggled with anxiety and all of that sort of stuff, so to have her willing and able to do that—that's massive. Oh, don't you make me cry already? Look, this is the girl that twelve months ago uh, was in such the depths of panic anxiety disorder we couldn't get her to school, and on day two of high school has jumped on the bus, the public bus, not the school bus, the public bus on her own to go off to high school. The inspiration I get from this girl every day is unbelievable. Yeah, she's taught me how to be brave. Oh, I just got I just got actual tingles all over my body with you yeah. saying that because it hasn't like your motherhood journey hasn't been easy. I, I guess there's people who haven't really heard of you. Oh, 
that's my front door. Hold on one second. Can you just tell can you just tell everyone a bit about your motherhood journey? This is what happens when we're in conversation. Sure thing. So I became a mama 12 years ago when uh, my beautiful feisty daughter came into this world. But even at birth, she struggled. She was born with um, a condition called congenital torticollis, severe congenital torticollis, which meant that um, when she was born, she couldn't turn her head part of her neck hadn't developed properly. Um, but uh, so she kind of got stuck trying to come out of the birth canal because we didn't realise that she couldn't turn her head. So the birth was a train wreck. Um, and uh, then we didn't realise she couldn't turn her head for the first three days. So learning to breastfeed as a first-time mother was <sighs> a train wreck. It, she wasn't diagnosed until day three. And by that stage, she would turn blue screaming every time the nurse remember what those midwives are like trying to teach you how to breastfeed they just grab your baby and grab your boob slam it on and slam it on and they continuously did this to this poor newborn baby who couldn't move her head and they just keep twisting her head and twisting her head so by the time we got to day three she had it's literally written in my medical record you know those baby books severe Mm. breast rejection by day three now as a very ambitious determined journalist, someone who had never had a problem in her life she couldn't research, write or question her way out of. Day by day three of motherhood, I was completely shattered inside. I just didn't get why this wasn't working the way I thought it was going to work. And that was really, as I said, that was 12 years ago. And this is the same baby that got on the school bus this morning. Over the last 12 years, I am still trying to come to terms with the fact that I can't fix this, that I have no idea what's going to happen to her and to my two others. And that in the balance of me trying to fix her and protect her and heal her, I also can't lose myself, Mm -hmm. that I crave space and that ambition again and that drive and all of that. And it took me years and years and years to understand that what actually happens when we become a mother is we split in two. I call it the inner split. In that moment, we become both who we've always been in the sense of independent and spontaneous and perhaps brave or creative or whatever it is that we are as an individual. And yet at exactly the same time, we become a whole new person that is the complete opposite, who will give up everything to make sure that her daughter can walk through those primary school gates today, who will sacrifice all the millions I don't care. I'll just throw my business in if I have to sit at the gates and make sure she's okay. And that struggle between both of those, I, I, I have found so exceptionally difficult for 12 years. And for so long, I felt like I was the only one asking those questions because Mm -hmm. I was, because I, as a journalist, dived into this and thought, surely someone's talking about how I'm feeling. Why isn't anybody saying, what about me? What, what happened to me? Do I ever go back to that person? No one was asking these questions. And what happens when we don't have the language for what we're feeling? We internalise it. 
we it's called I now understand again I've learned so much over the last few years about all of this it's a process called self-silencing and women are exceptional at it if we think that there is a reason why we're not doing as well as everyone else we turn it within and we blame ourselves we self-silence and uh, I self-silenced for years thinking that it was just my fault that I was struggling so much until I really began to um, dive in, study, and then finally discover this word matrescence that has changed everything for me. And you were actually there the day, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, you were there the day that I first heard this word. I love that story. Should we share that? Share the story. <laughs> <laughs> so... Lisa had come to Sydney and have a sleepover at my house. She was running an event and we, um, there was a foodie event around the corner from my place. I'm not a foodie. Lisa's the foodie. But I'm like, okay, Lisa will want to go to the foodie event. And we're sitting there and I'm like, oh, Lisa, I heard this word today. I heard this word in podcast. It's called matrescence. And you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> What is she talking about? What, Amy? I still don't know how to spell it, but anyway, yeah. (laughs) Matrescence is like adolescence Mm -hmm. and it's the transformation that is completely normal yet extremely turbulent and different for every single one of us from woman to mother, just like adolescence is the transformation from child to adult. And it explains what I've been trying to explain for a decade. And there's this woman at Columbia University in New York who's like the only one who's doing this. And I said to you on that night, I don't care if it takes me 10 years, I'm getting to New York and I'm going to study this and this is what I'm going to do. Yep. And I've, I watched you do it. <laughs> it didn't take 10 years. Well, I haven't finished, but yeah. No, it didn't take 10 years. And even just the writing of your book, it, it was because, I mean, it was really, it's really interesting what you say about, about finding language that, uh, without, without words or without some sort of framework or something that is real, uh, it is really hard to verbalize it and chat about something that is more than just our own. So I feel like what matrescent, your, your discovery of matrescence, it's all happened quite quickly and it's so easy for you to talk about it because it was everything that you knew, but you now, like there's now language for this, this understanding. And when you said to me, Lisa, like, you know, you think about the, the, all of the hormonal changes, all of the physical changes, all of the mental changes, like what's happening in our brain, everything that happens when you go from being a kid to a teenager and, or a teenager to, and then adult, and we can call it adolescence. And we know that it's this period of transition and we all accept it. We excuse our children for being an adolescent, that's adolescent type behavior. So we, it's normalized, but there's this word and it's matrescence, which is the transition of woman into mother. And it's a lifelong thing. Like it actually doesn't, doesn't end. end. And I was like, okay, yep please do go and study that, Amy, and then teach me what you learn because it just made so much sense. It's like, of it makes so much course. sense. 
And I, I did, I don't remember when that was, Lisa, that when you and I, when I first, I think it must have been about the middle of 2018. And then, no, yes. And then six months later, I was at Columbia University in New York talking to her. And I had, and you've seen me ugly cry a lot of times, so you can (laughs) attest to this not being an exaggeration. When I ugly cry, this is really ugly cry, like there's snot and (laughs) the whole face. And I am ugly crying in the world's leading matrescence expert's office. She has to go and find paper towel because there's no tissues because it was this moment of, I can't even talk about it without getting emotional still, I had been thinking there was something wrong with me Mm. for a decade and my whole business, all my writing, all my work had kind of been trying to prove that maybe there wasn't anything wrong with me, Mm. but I still didn't really believe it. I was still like, maybe it's only me that questions things like this. Maybe it's my little unique, special blend of, of personalities. And to sit there and be told, no, Amy, you're right. There is something. And it's called this was the most validating experience of my life without exaggeration. And I have now shared it with thousands of mums who have exactly the same reaction. There is something we have not been acknowledging in women when they become mothers, how much their whole sense of self turns upside down in both beautiful and chaotic ways. But we just assume that we're going to go back to who we used to be, unchanged, and it's such bullshit. Yep. I know, oh, Amy, and I have someone close to me who's had a baby a bit later, so in late 30s, and was just so looking forward to this year off, mm-hmm. a year off. <laughs> yep, because she's got so yes. many because th- she's got so many things that she wants to do with this time, um, this year off work, and and I was. And I just listened with beauty, with compassion because we can't know what this is going to mean for us. But I can remember feeling, the feeling that I had was like, okay, I've woken up and I'm still me, but, but I'm not. But I thought, and I thought maybe I'd turn into a amazing Zen mother earth flower crowns. Mm-hmm. Person, and no, I was actually still me. I still brought me into motherhood, but something fundamental had shifted. And I went through, I mean, there were periods of like, holy shit, I can never not think about this human being ever again in my whole entire life. But then, of course, I don't want to because I love him so much. And and all of this sort of crazy internal chatter. Yeah. And emotions come up that we don't that we don't expect. And I think especially since I've become a solo parent, you know, I can have emotions of, I can, you know, easily fall into a resentment or, you know, but then I, then on the flip side, I'm so in love with my children that I would. <laughs> so can we talk about that a little bit? The, I love you so much, but I need a break. Yeah. I love you so much, but please go away. Please, please, I'm shutting myself in my room right now. Yeah, exactly. Or I need to go away. Yeah, I'm going to run away. Yeah. So the thing about 
matrescence and it really is a whole framework of understanding what happens to us as women it's not about the act of mothering it's about being a woman within being a mother Mm. and it's one of those transitions of life as we said so it's something we're going to move through matrescence doesn't finish at the second birthday that's another thing that we've been told for so long you'll go back to who you used to be Mm. as someone who's as we've said has just had their daughter start high school I am still so knee deep in this and I asked my mum and she's like Amy it doesn't really ever stop you keep becoming you keep undoing the stories Mm. you keep realizing this is your stuff to heal you keep Mm. questioning why am I so attached to this you keep undoing the layers and undoing the layers this is the gift of matrescence we have to see it as this awakening this becoming of you know I hate to sound all Oprah about it but the becoming of our best self motherhood gives us this gift of you can't carry this crap anymore you're going to have to look at who you are. But what we do when we enter motherhood, and I've done a lot of study and research into this now, is that we, despite the best efforts of generations before us and the amazing feminists and women who fought for us to be able to do it all, we still, as a majority, carry a very big story about what it means to be a good mother. Mm-hmm. We still, even though we don't want to admit it, even though we're internally fighting against it, we still carry a story of if I'm not there when they're crying, I'm a bad mother. If I don't make everything from scratch, I'm a bad mother. If I get divorced, I'm a bad mother. Uh, If I work, I'm a bad mother. If I don't work, I'm a bad mother. Like we all have our versions of it. Mm. But we carry this unspoken story into motherhood that has to be looked at if we're going to move through matrescence with grace and heal and be the mothers and the women that our children need us to be and that we want to be. This isn't something we just do for them, but this is what one of the biggest gifts of it is, is that we get to redefine what being a good mother is on our own terms. I can remember recording a podcast when I was going through the stage of realizing that I couldn't run the business and have my youngest in daycare just two days a week. So she, they did family daycare. Both of the first two had it um, two days a week. And then with me, you know, the other three days. And I realized I was going to have to do a, a third day with her. I literally, I was distracted. I wasn't getting everything done. I wasn't being the the present mum that I wanted to be because I was just, I just had too much to do. I was working night times, which means I was waking up tired, blah, 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 blah. But Amy, the attachment that I had to my kids are with me more than they're not was huge because to me, that was what a good mother was. And it was the first time I didn't I didn't have language around stories and subconscious beliefs and all that sort of stuff at that stage, but it was the first time I really had to let go of what I thought being a good mum meant. I don't even know where it came from. Was it self-imposed? Was it societal? Was it my upbringing? Not sure. It doesn't matter because I had it. I had a belief that and a story that that's what a good mother was. And when I actually allowed myself to reinvent 
my idea of what a good mum was. And I told myself a new story. In fact, she gets a better version of me if she does this three days a week. I'm a happier person, which means the kids, like the whole unit operates better. It was, it was a moment for me where I realized, oh, you can change your story of what a good mum means and you can prioritize your own needs within the context of motherhood. Because I think for me, it was like motherhood just meant it's all about everybody else now. Mm, exactly. It's self-sacrificing. Mothers, I have taught this so, to so many mamas now. When I say, what do you think a good mother is? And most in, in one way or another, it's sacrificing yourself in some way to make sure they're okay. There's this old story of you're only as happy as your saddest child. <sighs> And as you said, where does this shit come from? Like my mum didn't tell me that. No. I learned this from my mother. And this is where the journalist in me gets super excited and I get all goosebumpy because what we're really doing here is when we're talking about matrescence, we're really talking about a completely revaluing of what it means to be a woman and a mother. Because up until now, we haven't valued what we do properly. We've self-sacrificed. Mm. We've blamed ourselves. We look at each other and think she looks like she's got it together. So it's my fault. I can't do both. If only I, I'm sure back in those days of wondering how you're going to, whether you should put in for that extra day of daycare, family daycare, if only I was more organized, I would be able to keep her with me for that extra day. If only I didn't leave things to last minute. If only I could do this, if I could do that. It's a rigged system. It was, but it was also like, if only I didn't want this, if only I didn't enjoy this business, if only, like, I'm bad because I enjoy this more than my children. Sometimes and maybe like, I should just, I need this. On hold. Hold, yes. They're in school. But then you've got the flip side of the women who really don't want to work right. and now look at people like you and think, oh, I should have ambition. I should be building a million dollar business because Lisa can do that and she's still got her kids at home. So, and all I have had so many women say this to me over the years in my programs. I should have nothing to complain about. I don't oh. have to work because financially I don't have to and I still don't cope. Why do we? So, so what is this? So, what is going on here with all of this? It's the patriarchal society we live in that we just literally do not value ourselves and what we do. We think that we have to be all to everybody all of the time. We think we have to be perfect. We think we have to be the good mother and the successful woman and the perfect partner and the devoted daughter. And we have this crazy expectation on ourselves that has been handed down to us. This isn't something we're choosing. It's, well, we are choosing unconsciously, which is why work that you do. And hopefully when people sort of start to understand what matrescence is really asking them to do, it's asking you to press pause and say, hang on a second. Do you want this to be your version of a good mother? Right. Do you want this to be your definition of success? Because you get a choice, you know. You don't have to say yes to tuck shop duty, even though you're also doing four days a week, but they're actually only paying you for two because you're trying to prove yourself now you're back from maternity leave that you're still the person you used to be. Like all of that, it's crap. We get to choose differently. Oh, but do you think that... Um, so do you come up against that? I, I, I talk a lot about choice 
And I remember a time where I would have stuck my finger up at someone who told me that I had a choice about things. You don't understand me and my life. Mm. If, if I did have a choice, do you think I'd be choosing this? Like resistance to the freedom that exists to let go of stories or the way things should be. How do you, how do you find people respond about that notion of choice? Do you feel like they're locked, so locked into the story sometimes that they, they just can't even see it? In my experience and why matrescence and what I'm learning through this has been the game changer is because this takes that level of choice and responsibility and individual experience and extends it to look at there's a whole rigged system here. Mm, mm. We tell women they can have it all. We literally grew up being told that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then when we tried to, we absolutely drowned. Yep. We were set up for failure. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, again, emotional when I say that because I was completely that child who was told I could have it all. And I was so, um, I felt such a deep sense of failure when I couldn't. Like that was a big part of why I do what I do now because I really thought that if only I had done it differently, I'd be able to be that woman, that woman with the shoulder pads and the running a company and or being frontline foreign correspondent with the baby strapped on my back. Like I had all those images. So just to round out that question of yours around the perception of choice, what I've found in my work is I had a lot of that resistance from mums too. Like I don't have a choice. I don't know how to change this. But when we kind of almost pull back and see this as a systematic Mm. cultural lie, Mm. then the first reaction is anger or tears. Mm. And then there's that little divine spark of the warrior mother that I freaking love seeing women turn on, mm. which is, oh, screw that. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to do that. I don't want to teach my kids that. I don't want to be this angry. I don't want to yell at my kids at the end of the day because I'm trying to prove to the world that I'm a superwoman. I don't want to do that anymore. Mm. And then the choice comes in. But before I understood that bigger systematic problem, it did feel very individual. It mm. did feel like it was really I should be choosing better here. Like it felt still quite self-deprecating. Um, so, again, that's what I think we're starting to shift towards is this isn't both, this is both individual and collective. Yeah. Oh my God, I just love that so much. It's funny because when I, I mean, I was school captain of the, of the all, you know, girls school, (laughs) just going like, I was the one saying we can have it. I bought hook, line and sinker. I can also remember thinking that about the education system, but I went ahead and I got my double degree and I got honors and I started a PhD and now I can't get a job. The whole, like, I mean... And, and then with motherhood, I was like, so that's a lie. All right. Okay. So this is not going to be the thing, but you know, that is, it's just not going to happen like the way I thought it was going to happen. But I didn't think there's something wrong with me. I was like, fuck you world. Mm -hmm. Like 
we got to change. Like there's got to be a conversation about this. And I think my stuff with food was always like, oh my God, don't expect yourself to be able to stop and rearrange everything in your life and get everyone on board straight away and get rid of all the packet food and do this perfectly. It's not the way things work in the real world. Can we just like see that we're all coping with a lot of different things right now and that there's there's a different way to create change because I was like, what, what's with the guilt? What's yeah. with the perfection that we've all got going on? It's actually not serving anyone. And but this is the way the revolution starts. <laughs> oh, there is so, but don't you, there is a rising collect, collective consciousness. It is happening. This but is what you were saying just before this. Yes. So in Mama Rising, which is the training I do now for women who work with mamas, I say, you know, this, it, everyone has their pinprick of awareness, I call it. And that means that that thing, that's the very quiet whisper of, oh, this feels a bit uncomfortable. I wonder why it's this way. Or I think I need to change this. And for some, it's their kids' food. Yeah. And you and I have spoken about this so many times over Mm. the last few years Mm. that people came in to small steps for the food and what they got was complete revaluing of themselves and their stories. You know, uh, for me, it's sometimes kids' meditations. I just want my damn kid to go to sleep better at the end of the night. That's their pinprick of awareness. That's like the door cracking open to wonder what's over the other side because what I'm doing isn't working. Yeah. And so we all come to this in such random ways. Mm. But in the centre of it, it's all the same message. It's all the same stuff. We're all creating this little revolution of I'm not going to do it that way anymore. This doesn't this work doesn't for work. me. This is not working. This is not working and I do not want my children to grow up and do the same things. So what's your hope with your work? What's your hope that matrescence and sharing that, people reading your book, people doing your programs, what do you hope for mothers? Oh, I want matrescence to be as well-known and supported as adolescence is. My divine teacher and mentor, Dr. Orly Athen at Columbia University says, you know, we have academic journals, departments within hospitals and universities that are dedicated to adolescence. It is considered a unique time in your life and affects everything. You, you only look at mental health through the adolescence lens. Mm. You only look at physical health through the adolescence lens. Mm. You only look at the spiritual, psychological, economic, all of that through this lens of you're in this particular time of life, this will affect it. Her and now my hope is that we'll have the same for matrescence. When you go to your doctor, when you, it will be understood that you're in the middle of this messy but beautiful transformation of early motherhood. And yes, of course, it does continue to go grow even as we're grandmothers. But the just like adolescence has these key years, mm. if we put the right support around that, if we change the conversation, if we in our prenatal classes don't just talk about birth plans, but postnatal support plans and returning to work conversations and an understanding that everything is about to change and it will feel really unstable under your feet at times. Mm. But I promise you when you come out the other side, 
you will not recognize yourself and how powerful and resilient and brave you are. You are going to be more than you can imagine you could be right now, but hang on, it's going to get bumpy. Amy, I mean, just stop making me cry right now. <laughs> we should uh, turned our video off because every time I see you with the tears, <laughs> I get the tears. You know, there's, I can remember putting all three of my children, uh, like probably the youngest was still on the boob and going from leaving the house in Brisbane and getting in taxi and going to the airport and getting them all on a plane by myself and getting down to Melbourne and hiring a car and, um, and then driving to mum and dad's and then getting there (laughs) and just thinking I could basically do fucking anything. I am a warrior woman. And it was the simplest thing. It wasn't, I wasn't saving starving children. I I, I was literally just put, and it's those little moments where I'm like, we've got to notice how strong and powerful and capable we are. That that is, that is where, that the, the transformation is noticed for me when I can get through hard things (laughs) with my children and still be okay. And that happens almost daily. Like We actually don't realize just how much we're showing up in new ways all the time. I think that's the thing about motherhood, that the almost relentless growth, it's like a fast track to to growth. it is. So in my, again, in, the, in my study of this, the question I asked was, so are we saying that women who don't become mothers don't experience this type of growth? Like what, you know, everybody on the planet goes through adolescence, not everybody on the planet goes through matrescence. So mm. how does that work? Mm. And the answer I've come to is, no, of course, everybody has their own growth, but this is growth on turbo. This is super growth because in that moment, your brain is rewired. So research now shows us that when we become a mother, our brain is actually rewired to switch from the individual to the collective. Mm. So you get in on that plane with your three kids, you just, that is just who you are now. Mm. You do this as a tribe and to not compare ourselves with men but they don't have the same physical and neurological switch when they became become a father. They right. don't suddenly don't think of themselves. You know, the way that they see themselves, of course, shifts, but it's not this deep, sudden, it's not just me anymore. Yeah. I, I am here to protect not only my kids, but their planet, their future, the bullies in the school, what they eat, get those toxins out of my bathroom, like all of those things that suddenly we become obsessive about, it's because it's it's the way it's meant to be. It's our superpower. So you're right. We don't see that as valued. And that's what I mean about we have to value motherhood and being Mm -hmm. a woman differently. We have to start celebrating that those new mums go back to work even though they've been up for three nights in a row cleaning up gastro and she walks through the front door of her office and has to pretend she's okay like mm, no let's not normal no no and it's also making her hide her phenomenal strength yeah yeah 
It's yeah. making her feel ashamed of something profound. She mm. is just managing all of it and still showing up. We should be celebrating that, not hiding it. Amy, I've just realized I've got to go and do a coaching call at 12 o'clock and it's bang on 12 o'clock. I got a little <laughs> reminder in my phone a few minutes ago, but I didn't want you to stop talking like ever. So I don't even know how long we've been talking. It's so we could go forever. It's we could really go forever. And I mean, everyone has to read your book. Everyone should go do the mummerizing course because this is, this is so important. And you know what? It's also going to change is if we, this is what I'm really passionate about too. As we change the mother, we change the daughters, we change the grandmother, we're changing the whole mm-hmm. frequency and vibration around motherhood. The more people who hear about this stuff embrace it and just like know it, then I mean, it's a really big change of conversation. So it was amazing to have this conversation with you today. I am just like so happy to be a wing woman, just like watching you fly and share this powerful message. There is no one better to be doing it in my honest and slightly biased, but honest opinion. Um, Thank you for the amazing work that you do. Thanks for talking to me today. Couldn't really, would not be here without your amazing support. So thank you, beautiful. Stop it. I love you. I love you too. I'll speak to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Hey, if you're enjoying the conversation, then it would mean the world to me if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It really makes a difference and it's my intention to get as many of us involved in real conversations that really change the game as possible. Thanks so much for your help and I'll see you in the next episode. 